Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, but joined by Ben Taylor. Hello there. And Mr. Jules Gill. Hi. Mr. Jules Gill returning from a, the land of streaming where he's been getting various streams off the ground. Mr. Jules Gill, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. It's, it's a weird schedule that we've gotten ourselves into thanks to this <laughs> whole new working around the lockdown stuff. So, uh, yeah, I haven't been able to work with you guys as much as I want to, but... Uh, we are finally together, and potentially that will not be a problem from next Friday onward. Isn't that hopefully. right, Scott? Isn't that yes, right, hopefully, Scott? hopefully we've got a thing to announce, but we're going to wait and see how it goes. You just, it's just have to have a lot of hope around here, building the pillars, hoping you can put things on top of them. Hopefully <laughs> yeah. everything comes together. But for this week, I thought we'd do a Q&A podcast, because this week in gaming has just been ridiculous. From mm-hmm. PS5, general thoughts on that, various things we can and can't say, that other outlets can and can't say, um, Cyberpunk news, Watch Dogs Legion emerging from the ether, etc. Um, so I just thought I'd people what they wanted to talk about and um, so first question comes from ethan who says do you think that cyberpunk is going to disappoint a lot of people who are expecting the game to be like gta but in the future mr benroy what do you think about this proposal well if you want a gta in the future then yes probably because i doubt it's going to be like i doubt the map's going to be as big but mm. it's probably gonna i think it's probably going to be more dense i don't know I, I, it's hard because I see all these criticisms and everyone like doubting Cyberpunk at this point and everyone not knowing what's going to happen mm-hmm. and every headline about this game every day. And I'm just like, I'm ready just to sit there and wait. I'm ready just to forget about this thing until it is in my hands now. Because <laughs> Do you think they should have just delayed it more from the off? Like just had a 2022 and it, it just arrives at some point? No, because I don't want to wait till 2022. <laughs> but, um... That's the only time to make it ready. Uh, but I, if you're if you're expecting a GTA in the future, then maybe. But I think that you should be more expecting something more like more in line with The Witcher kind of mm. thing. Like, how, like even though like I wouldn't say The Witcher is is putting your expectations down because I would say The Witcher Three is probably better than like any GTA game I've ever played. So, oh, sweet Lord Roy! Yeah, like I, I mean, like Vice City is great, but I don't hold, hold uh, GTA Five up on this pantheon of like. Oh, it's just I like don't with five, but yeah. San Andreas Vice City, that's, that's some tough competition. Jules, yeah. how do you come down on this madness? I mean, I think it's the wrong thing to think of it as going to be that um, Cyberpunk is going to try and take whatever GTA is doing at the moment. If you want GTA in the future, then just play GTA online because they've already mm. got DeLoreans and all the other flying cars and race tracks that yeah. go off into the sky. That is the future, right? <laughs> that's, that's where we're all headed. It's got, we're just one uh, giant pneumatic tube system away from that being what the future is. But I just think that I'm very excited for Cyberpunk. I feel like there's a lot going into it. I mean, admittedly, there's a lot 
of uh, interesting things going on around it at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. We will deal with that at, a, at another point in time. But as in terms of the game itself, if we're just looking at that, then mm. it's probably the wrong experience to go in looking for GTA. This is definitely going to be much more structured. And hopefully, I actually hope that it is a lot more linear. I feel like you get better really? mission structures. I feel you get better narrative if you're directed just a little bit more. Mm. This freeform anarchy is great in the sense that you can approach missions however you want. But when you do that, you risk being able to actually tell a, 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 like a concise story within mm. those little missions. So It makes me super curious how they're split in because you have all the different um, you know, types that you can start as, the corpo and the street mm -hmm. kid and whatever. And the nomad, I think, is the other one. And um, I don't know, I, I, I kind of want it to be as free form as possible because personally, I'm kind of sick of like the rock, the new age rock star approach where it's like, go here, stand in this radius, press a button, wait for the guy. Oh God, you did it yeah. too fast, restart, do it again. Like I just, I kind of want like a set of goals and then my dude, my build can like figure out how to do it. <laughs> I always think that it's so funny that GTA 5, like everyone just thinks of it as like pure anarchy. But if you actually go back to look at the, uh, the narrative, the first couple of missions of that were like, boring like, stuff. like what the hell is that i don't walk think a dog the, go put a car yeah. in there <laughs> i don't think there'll be the jank of it and i think like i don't think it'll be standing us in, in a colored circle as much as gta had been throughout the years but mm. no i i mean you just got you should never like say oh i want this game to be like this game and i want this game to be like this game because we just everything should just be different and new mm. i think as soon as they said like you know there are wanted levels and there are like there is a police presence and things like that obviously it starts to draw any open world crime comparison to gta mm -hmm. but i think for me the nearest comparison is more like skyrim like just this open-ended thing that you can play infinite times and everything will be different um, and the way the AI overlaps with each other should give you a different experience every time. Yeah. Um, next question from Mr. Jack Dale, um, who says, what are your favorite tie-in movie video games of the 2000s? Um, his is Star Wars Episode Three and The Incredibles. <laughs> I forgot about The Incredibles game. Do either of you want to dive in with your best 2000s tie-in game? I'm trying does, to does it have to be 2000s, does it? It's got to be 2000s. My, my mind goes to the Lord of the Rings ones. I remember the, oh, there we yeah, go. the two towers. Yeah. Oh, oh, Return of the King, we're going about it. It's all about Return of the King. What? No, 2000s is far superior. Oh <laughs> my God. We, I'm on a podcast of two weirdos. Uh, Return of the King is one of the miles away from ever made. I even took, I even got Mr. Frodo, Mr. Frodo to level 20. <laughs> I got everyone to level 20. Like Being Gandalf on the wall of Gondor, being Gandalf in the courtyards, being Gandalf, Helms or just being Gandalf. Uh, Helm's Deep at the beginning of Return of the King as Gandalf. <laughs> or perhaps being, you know, Gandalf at the Black Gate for example mm. well you know yeah it's just it's, it's all in all a better more perfect experience whereas two towers is nice like nice training wheels for them to make the actual great game they were trying to do oh see i just i have such a soft spot for two towers just because i'm absolutely huge fan of dynasty warriors so when somebody was like mm. it's that but with the lord of the rings skin i was like hell yeah sign me up i was in a full-on like matrix mode back then so like when games used to have like slow motion toggles like the minority report game was brilliant to me at least because you could put it in slow motion and just throw dudes through windows you've just reminded me the matrix path of neo that was yeah. good for a, a bit of a laugh i wouldn't say I it's my favorite one uh, it's, uh, it hasn't aged very well but it was good time. but th when you dodge bullets in that game when you do the move from the first movie where he like leans backwards you can run around in that pose so he just runs around with, like backwards <laughs> just dodging everything what about the godfather like godfather was godfather, godfather was great yeah, yeah. 
Oh, uh, the Scarface um, game for the PS2. That oh, was actually that, really good. That game had a swear button where you could just push the button to just install NPCs. And I kind of, I want that in pretty much every open world game. The, um, um, uh, the what should we call it? Uh, the reason behind why the game exists is just brilliant as well, because um, they said that obviously Tony gets shot out through the window and yes. like he stands in the pool, but like they just explained that he's too angry to die. He's too <laughs> coked up to, so to go down. Is this actually Crank the prequel then? Crank oh the yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Why was crunk. there never a crank game? Like of all the of all the movie tie-in properties, they could have done a pretty cool. I would have done like a side scroll and over the top brawler type thing. It's the same with um Hardcore Henry because you know those uh, <laughs> yeah. like that that film was so over the top that it just mm. begged to be made into a video game. Seeing it was, was a film version of a video game, why not do the reverse and do that way? Mm. I'd play that game. Can I also so, just vouch for the James Bond games of that era? Like even a Night oh. Fire was Agent Under Fire. I mean, Nightfire <laughs> is better than Agent Under Fire. I don't know why when one of our writers, Jack Pooley, did the rankings, he put Agent Under Fire as second best ever when it is not. And when I do the video, I will not have it as second. Because <laughs> okay. it is not. Whoa, 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 whoa. Calm it down, I, calm it down. Okay. I, this, this, this thing, we need to state right now that technically neither of them qualify for this thing because they are not movie video game tie-ins per oh, yeah. se. They're mm. franchise tie-ins. So mm-hmm. we have to say that GoldenEye is the best one. Because uh, it's, I mean, it's the only one that is actually based on a film that is good. Because Tomorrow Never Dies bloody wasn't. <laughs> but it's like 2000s, though, there wasn't any Bond movies that then had a game tie in because they all had like separate ones. Like Everything like, or Nothing was just a Pierce Brosnan. Everything like, or yeah. Nothing was the fifth Pierce Brosnan film that would have never got made, sort of thing. Mm. I think yeah, I guess so. In it as well, and Jaws came back, and it was a lovely time. It told me that, <laughs> it told me that Platinum was worth more than Gold. I don't even know if that's real or not, but you know, that was the thing. I'm trying it's to figure out what other, what other games were like movie tie-ins in the 2000s. I'm trying to think of like other big ones. I know that there's some glaringly obvious ones and I just can't think of them. Like the ones mm. that I'm thinking of, like the, um, the superhero ones, they were, oh, Spider-Man 2. Oh, Spider-Man God. 2. Spider-Man 2 is, is the best. Like, yeah, is the there we go. They've only just gotten right again since like 2018. And then, yeah, That's it took right. some time. Um, next question from uh, Ewan Callister, who says, recently Todd Howard was in an interview and said that it's hard to imagine Elder Scrolls being exclusive, uh, despite Morrowind and Oblivion uh, for their first years. Um, do you guys think it's possible that Bethesda's IPs will, re- will remain multi-platform or they will indeed be Microsoft exclusives going forward? Um, this is weird because um, every time Phil Spencer has been asked about this, he's just sort of danced around it and just sort of said, well, you know, I can't say. I'm just going to see how things go. But it's like, me- yes, you can say, Phil, yes, you can. own like, the you company know. now. <laughs> But I think the amount of money they paid for the acquisition, like I think at some point they'll pull the trigger on that, even though they might get a bit of bad will. Um, I just think that them just just flopping it down and being like Bethesda's only on Xbox. I think that I, that. you go, Ben. Right, you go. I was gonna say I think that we're gonna have some sort of split, and so I've said this before, where either we're gonna either they keep the juggernauts, which I'm, I'm calling like the Fallout, the yeah. Elder Scrolls, and I'm gonna put Starfield in there as the juggernaut, even though we've not seen any of it yet. But at logo, well. I think mm-hmm. I think they separate them away from. The, they're more published now, say like the Dooms, the Wolfensteins, the Preys. And I think they're going to be divided into those groups and one group will be only exclusive Xbox and the other group will go everywhere. I don't know how that will exactly work out yet, but I think not all of them will be exclusive and not all of them will be everywhere. I think there's going to be a few picked out. It might right. be the case that um, anything that's already been announced is going to be cross-platform um, and anything that's new will be under this sort of like uh, new brand of like Bethesda original style thing where they are uh, 
Xbox exclusive. But I feel like after the amount of money that Microsoft has just whapped on the table for that, I really think it would be foolish of them to then limit themselves sales-wise by going console exclusive. Yes, you will sell more consoles, but you sell, you make much more money by selling video games. That's the whole point of like how consoles work. If they were going to do it, I would, because they they announced that they bought Bethesda or whatever, Mm -hmm. like it was like a week before the pre-orders went live or right alongside on the Xbox. But that's just to hype up the pre-orders. In terms Mm -hmm. of like actual like um, like business-minded approaches, you would definitely not make them exclusive when they are that big and you and Skyrim is one of the best-selling games ever. Like, mm. if you want that to happen again, you're going to have to keep them cross-platform. Then mm. you may might do some like timed exclusives because obviously they're going to try and usher in as much microtransactions, like um, event-style things for these games, and turn them into pseudo MMORPGs as best they can. Mm. So there will be timed exclusive for Microsofts in terms of like this event is only for them, but the game, the vanilla game, is on every single platform. Yeah, I think we all think like it's, it's, I think some a lot of time I'm not saying anyone here like everyone always thinks of it as like too much of a small day. Like they've spent seven billion, they've got to get that seven billion back right away. But this is going to be something that they're going to be earning back long before probably we're gone. Yeah. Like for the next 20, 30 <laughs> years, they're going to be eking that money back. But it's never good. Like, they pay for this in cash. They pay for it more. They could buy like. Imagine that they just yeah. had the dollar, the sign, the the bag with the dollar sign on, just <laughs> in, in unmarked bills. Phil Spencer carried suitcases to Todd Howes' house. Like there you go, mate. And then you know, yeah. the Hamburglar. It's I like just... how how it's like how many uh, shovelfuls of money would you like today? <laughs> he just yeah. keeps shoveling until they smile and he knows that he's in. Yeah. <laughs> you know what he did? He actually paid them all in caps. So he did that for a laugh. Oh yeah, yeah. Seven billion caps. There you go, mate. <laughs> That one fan that had like 20 million of them was him all along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think at some point they'll take advantage of the deal. It, it, they spent so much money on it. You, it. They just have to do something with it. Um, well, if you think, but... think about it this way. They, um, if they bought all of the, the rights to the games, if they own them outright, then they're going to be making the money back on the titles that are already in existence. Like mm. uh, Skyrim is not selling nearly as well as it, oh, it did, but it still rakes money hand over fist yeah. and so does the DLC. So does all of the Wolfenstein stuff that they've got and everything else that they've got their name Fallout stuff. Like it's going to be making the money like speaking of skyrim have you ever played it on the on an alexa no. no because that was that was a the thing they announced and it was actually real and that was it's quite funny to play on, well, i on thought that alexa. was a joke no it's real you if you if, if you play say play skyrim to an alexa sorry anyone's alexa is listening uh you can play skyrim <laughs> alexa play skyrim good now that we've got that out of the way yeah. <laughs> let's do the next question and um, this one comes from matty k who says how do you guys feel about crunch culture and how should we respect the devs that go through it um do we do we buy the games do we boycott um it feels like something that sh- feels like something should be said and done for the sake of the devs and their lives but it's hard to know what um, um this- cr- crunch culture just flat out like there's no other alternative it is a disgusting practice and should not be supported um how you go about voting uh, to not support these things is unfortunately with your wallets but the only person that that will hurt at the end of the day will be the developers themselves because it's not going to be the top guys uh, losing their bonuses and being marched out it's going to be it's going to be the people working on the game every single day in the trenches and they are going to just be farmed out to outside uh, uh, freelance people, things like that. Like mm. it's an incredibly difficult situation to weigh up and there is no clear cut way on how to address this other than by admonishing publicly on every forum that you have possible, those publishers that are allowing this to happen and encouraging it to happen in the future. Um, My thoughts are that it's very much like game by game cases like the mm-hmm. uh, 
cases basis mm-hmm. um because yeah any for anything forced is completely like abhorrent like you said like you know you're getting forced to do extended hours things like that in the case of cdpr finding out that they have to crunch uh for the december deadline they found out alongside the public finding out stuff like that is that just- was Horrible. Bad, um, something that was fascinating though, because I think the more that comes out about it, it just—I think it's an ongoing conversation. I think it's all about the the balance. It's what whatever those individuals on those teams want to do as well. Um, because um, Naughty Dog, when something came out about Last of Us Two, there was a whole report about some devs on Naughty Dog saying like, "Well, look, we enjoy these long hours. We're perfectionists for some members of the team, and we yeah. want to work longer." Um, they, and they should not be allowed to speak for the rest of the team. Like, I really well, like. Oh, I, I thought you were going to go into something else. No, 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 sorry. I, ju- I was just about to say, like, I feel like if you have somebody out who is towing the company line saying, no, 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 long hours are great. I love not being able to see my family. Like, that is a small no, minority of people that are going to be in that position. Yeah, that was, and that was obviously the thing from the CDPR head guy who was like, oh, no, a crunch wasn't a problem. But when uh, Neil Druckmann was on Kind of Funny, he was like, look, we put restrictions in place. We made people go home at, like, yeah. respectable times, and they didn't want it. So I think it's, it's definitely, like, developer by developer case. And for me, it, it comes down to what? are people being forced to do like that's the crux of the psychology yeah. is there um, a way like and excuse me if i if i seem really like um don't, don't have knowledge on the subject but like what about like the union union unionization of like developers that allows mm. them to say no we are legally not going to work this and there's nothing you can do about it and you can't force us to do that it seems like crunch culture only exists because there's a loophole for it to exist True, but yeah, I mean that's the th- that yeah that would like be a knock-on effect of be of a dev company being forced to do something they don't want to do, mm-hmm. and then being able mm-hmm. to say, well, look, my union rights say that I I'm I'm not going to stay x number of hours or x number of hours during the week and stuff. But there's a whole thing around um, how game devs are starting to unionize more. I know Jason Schreier has been pushing for that more. Um, yeah, for me, it, it just comes down to like it's like human rights, workers' rights. Like, what do you want to do as a creative? Like the, in CDPR's case, which obviously spurred a lot of these recent conversations, mm-hmm. um, they don't answer to anybody above themselves other than the shareholders yeah. um, and I think that that game because it's been in development for seven years has become this big overblown full-on you know let's you know throw the kitchen sink at it and just keep going and then now they have to try and re- like rein it together and it, it just mm. it feels unwieldy um, and at some point they're just having to throw human hours at that until it's done which is a horrible you know there's such a it's such a knock-on effect of mismanagement and things like that but yeah. I don't even know how you would manage for this because it hasn't been done before so I, I think that anyone being forced to do something for massive amounts of time is just horrible, but there's so much nuance to it, especially case by case, game by game, project by project. Yeah. Um, Benro, what do you think about the whole thing? I think it's just case by case and person by person and project by project. And just every situation is different and I think unique in a way. Like I, if you get in for, you, no one should force anyone to do anything. It's mm. just, this, I think mean, I'm totally against that, but I, I can't speak for it as a whole. Like, the idea of crunch is bad, yes, but also like I, if people want to work longer hours, then let them. But then obviously those people should be like, it's great. And then they got, so even if it's just seven or eight out of like, say 500 that are like proper suffering and really wish they could see their family, then they should be allowed to yes. opt out of it. But then obviously yeah, you, you've been there and like, I, I've even been there with certain projects before and like not in games, but something else, but like you, you, everyone's sort of putting together. You all want to keep going because you all want to mm-hmm. keep doing the thing. And I think that's what happens at Naughty Dog as well. You all want to keep doing the work and get the thing out that you really care about and you're passionate about. You want to get like, are you, but the term suffering for your art, like you shouldn't have to, but it's like a term that people are thrown out forever. But again, I'm not, I'm totally against people being forced. But then again, like I, I can't speak for every situation as a whole sort of thing. 
I think um, some of the stuff that's been fascinating is uh, Mike Bithell's various conversations on Crunch when he's been on Playwatch Listen, the, uh, the podcast, because he was he's completely anti-Crunch and he was like, there's always ways to make sure that people are approaching it satisfactorily and that they can go home when they need to and things like yeah. that. And the project still gets done. <clears throat> but he says, you know, the games that he's putting together as Bithell, the company, like the, the John Wick game, he has um, a solitaire game coming up, like smaller sort of indie projects. And um, he was saying like he can't speak to the size of something like a AAA dev. But it does seem like there needs to be a conversation around the mentality that you described, Ben Roy, but the obviously the potential for like the toxic undercurrent of that to be like, you know, because so, there's always the example given of like someone gets up to leave at the end of a day and everyone else sort of like looks at them or there's that general feeling of like, well, yeah. I can't be the first one to leave because no one else mm. has left. Yeah. And then you end up working way, way longer. Um, but as like a comparison, like I didn't take a break yesterday um, just because of stuff that I'm doing with the PS5. And that was because time completely got away from me. But occasionally across the day, I did realize the stu- like the stupidity of that and then chose to keep working but that was completely my choice to do so so i think for me personally i can only speak for myself it would be yeah. if i want to do extra time i will choose to do that but i would hate if someone said you have to stay behind and do extra time i think it's all down to the individual it's and uh, project potentially down to incentivization as well like mm. if um if it was incentivized that you would uh, get like uh, a percentage or if you got um like time off afterwards or if you got that then maybe people would be uh, more willing to do that but like you say it all comes down to it, the crunch definition is being forced to do something yes that's the problem that, that we have like no one should be forced to do anything that is outside of their job remit like that's that that's one thing as. Um, as well is like that whole thing <clears throat> of boycotting the end product i don't think that does anything um no. mainly because there was a story um i can't think which podcast it was on now but it was someone had said that they were talking to one of the developers on in cdpr and they'd said that they felt um they couldn't say that they were proud of the game because of all the conversations around it and it's mm-hmm. like if you've worked on something that took you this long and you did put your heart and soul into it i think you should be able to stand tall and say i accomplished this thing and maybe yeah. you went through some insane stresses to get there but you still made something amazing at the end of it or even if you didn't you still got through it and i think that that whole idea of you know fobbing off the entire game and things like that for me that doesn't address the problem enough there's not enough nuance in that because you're throwing the middle finger up to all the people the hundreds of people that put the game together versus the you know executive mandate the corporate side of it that forces people to into horrible working conditions um whereas you should reward the people that actually coded the thing in the first place and you yeah. shouldn't like demonize the people that are proud like see if someone says mm. oh i worked this many hours this week that they're saying in the proud way where they're proud because they put the hard work and they put their passion in it. i don't think you should demonize that either but then like not if, if it was their choice as long as they're not going i did this but you didn't do that it's more like uh, if it's them doing it out of the passion and the love for the thing they do because like you say you didn't take a break yesterday i keep forgetting to take breaks and like when i'm working on a specific video that i'm doing like passionate about or like if i'm writing, writing my own things after work like i'm always like trying to keep my mind going and i get lost away and then i realize oh it's like whatever time at night now i should mm-hmm. probably have some wine or go to bed sort of thing like it's just it's just i think it's it's, it's it so like different for every but we're all different it's like there's like thousands of different people like what it's, it's just it's too hard to quantify in one sweeping ever statement i think mm. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the ongoing conversations definitely help. Um, but I think like, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it, it changes each time. And like Jules said, it's the idea of being forced to do something. It's yeah. obviously the part that needs to be completely stamped out. Um, and even having these conversations, I think helps with general sort of awareness of crunch. And then on the dev side, being able to open up conversations between executives and devs it, and things like that. It, it's just a funny situation. Like, not funny, but like I've been, I've worked in the supermarket before and I, well, you can't go yet because this isn't set up for right. the rest of the day. Or this isn't, uh, we need to get some stock take stuff. they like, the, it happens in like almost all walks of like work as well. Like I'm not saying it happens here, so it's fine. But like, yeah, it's just, it, it, it always happens. It happens so many times everywhere, which should be addressed, but it's like, it's never like really labeled as that, but mm. it, it's just with like, cause it, there's such an explosion of it now in the video game sphere. But yeah, at the end of the day, as we've all said, as Jules first said, you just should never force it. And that's the, yeah. end, that's, that's the bottom line. I think more, more people than ever are aware of the exploitation of workers underneath a capitalistic sensibility. And I get all that. I think it's a much wider conversation, but I think so many more people are aware of workers' rights and your own rights and your own worth. And I think it spurs these conversations on, which is only can only be a good thing. Like it only puts pressure on the people who create the wrong rule sets in the first place. So hopefully it all works out. Um, Jules, do you have any closing thoughts or are you the same? I think that you guys have uh, summed it up pretty well with that. It's a case of just um, making sure that we are every single outlet possible is making other people aware of what is going on in these situations, making sure that the dialogues are always happening. And while I have mixed feelings on the uh, not buying a video game and voting with your wallets, um, it is unfortunately only going to punish the, um, the people working on the front line. So that needs to change. Yes. There needs to be um, some uh, security measures in place to protect those people. Mm. I did see, um, again, I can't think of a specific person who said it, but there was another write-up about how that idea of boycotting the final product um, maybe doesn't directly impact the wages of the people that made it, um, that they're obviously paid alongside the project. So they're yeah. already, they're, they're, they're okay, they're financially But it's, well. um, the, the thing is, is that like, so for, for example, if we decided that we wanted to boycott um, uh, Watch Dogs Legion because of mm. everything that's been going on with the higher-ups in Ubisoft, soft and mm. uh, the allegations that are going on there then i would say that that is a, a double-edged sword because yes you are sticking it to them and showing them that their one of their biggest franchises is going to suffer as a direct result of the actions of the people in the upper management unfortunately 
what it really means is they have huge teams that work on watchdogs. And if we don't buy them, all they're going to see is we're not going to make a sequel of that. And that yeah. team will either get absorbed or disbanded. Or their work just doesn't get seen. Like there's some yeah. incredible art, like the art department for Assassin's Creed Unity. Assassin's Creed Unity is one of the most detailed, like gorgeous looking games when it's working. And the art direction in that game is incredible. Um, and it barely got seen because I mean, it didn't, you know, we're, we were as guilty as that too, of just being like, well, the faces are falling off. It's a complete mess and yeah. whatever. But I, you know, the, the interiors for that game, the uh, research that went into it, it's a gorgeous looking game and it should mm -hmm. be seen by people. But yeah, it's, it's an incredibly nuanced, complex thing. But I think that everybody contributing to the conversation hopefully does some good over time. It's just, yeah. it's going to be a case of every individual team tackling it how they can. What it, what it is, is making sure that there are no secrets left unearthed. Like mm. as long as it's all in the public eye, then it's down to that uh, that case by case situation that we've been talking about is made a lot easier because then mm. legal situations become clearer. You can say, okay, right, I feel supported by the public. Now I'm able to share my stories without fear of being admonished by my teammates or the higher ups. Yeah. Or if um, like, yeah. It, it, Even if it goes part way in explaining why a game is released in a certain state or like um, that, it's like, it's, all, the more information we get as the public looking into a project, the better it is in the long run for moving situations like this along. Yeah, and the more ammunition that someone on the creative side has to be able to say, look, this is how this is going to go if you don't give us the time, the appropriate time, the care and yeah. attention. Um, one of the things from the Bithel side of stuff was just saying that crunch fundamentally doesn't work. You do worse work when you're stressed out and struggling and it's not oh, your choice to do it. Yeah and things like that. So it's, it doesn't even tick the box on the corporate side of like, oh, we're just, we're just going to get it out faster because we've worked faster. It's like, no, you'll just get a broken product. You'll get something yeah. that doesn't work. Um, yeah, it's a hell of a thing. And I think that that might be the conversation that dominates the next generation because the games are bigger than ever. Um, and I think that these conversations will just happen more. Yeah. Um, so next question from Greg, um, which is one that I can't really answer, but I'll talk around it. It's PS5 one, be very quick. Okay. Um, who says, how is the upscaling, if any, on games like Death Stranding? Um, that already looked pretty good on PS4 Pro. That's a PS5 question. I can't tell you. <laughs> I will say that I think it's probably going to be all right. Speaking about PS5, though, I'm really, mm. I'm really intrigued. Like Neil had a really good question, and he wanted to know: Does the iToy work on the PS5? What's that, mate? It's, it's, it's a great peripheral that came out during the PlayStation 2 era. <laughs> you can play it in the Blockbuster. Did it even work on the PS4? I, I mean, I never tested it. That's science. I'm not a scientist. I, I had an iToy. I loved the iToy. One of my friends sold all of his games to get an iToy because he was that blown away by the technology of it. And we played Washy Washy Windows every afternoon. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say, that's the only game worth playing on. You just put your hand in the front of the camera like that and you just win. <laughs> yeah. When I'm cleaning windows, it was brilliant. And um, so I don't know how it works on the PlayStation 5. I don't even know if it works on the PS4. I think the last thing that had a lens was Eye of Judgment on do you, PS3. Do you, are you saying you've got an iToy embargo at the moment? I'm not saying that, but I am saying that I can't speak to anything other than how the dual sense works with one level of Astro Boy. And sadly, that doesn't cross over with the iToy. <laughs> Damn. So I'll have to do a bit more experimentation. Maybe it will if I plug it in. Um, next question from Son of Kratos. Four quick questions here. Um, does the PS5 sound like a rocket? I don't know, but when I was playing the one level on Astro Boy, it didn't. Um, number two, Glover, is there going to be a remake, Mr. Penroy? One no. day, if I keep no. shooting, there will be. No. There will be. I don't think we'll ever get a Glover remake. You'll just we have to keep the, the, the flag flying. The they, were, they were screwed over by Nintendo. They got offered a nice deal. They thought they'd take it. And then they sold half as much as they bought. If they didn't buy, <laughs> if they didn't buy all these extra carts, we would have got the Glover too. I, I forgot Glover starts the happened. countdown on his watch until Ben Roy brings up Colin Salmon. He's actually got a new Twitter picture recently. It's quite good. You should check it out. It's going to be um, it's going to be Glover uh, starring Colin Salmon. 
Oh that's my clever. God, he would melt. Mr. Ben, if there were zombies chasing him, that's the that's the Ben Roy triple. Um, number three uh, from this guy is uh, thoughts on Watch Dogs Legion. Our thoughts are that I didn't buy it, neither did Jules, and I think Ben Roy got it and then didn't want to play it. I purchased it. I want to play it. I was just I've been in this platinum sort of like phase for about two weeks now, where I've just I need more man. I need to clean. I need to clean them up before the PlayStation. <laughs> Even though I could play all these games on the PS5 like backwards compat, it's only like the only game i own on that list that i can't play is like well like hitman go but yeah i've just been in that sort of like that, that, that i've been i mean hungry for planums and now i've done that i'm gonna play some legions probably sunday evening probably okay jules do you see yourself picking up watchdogs legion no on the slightest my friend <laughs> no it's one of those things where like i could be told that it's the greatest thing since mm. the second coming of christ but uh for me uh <laughs> Ubisoft are in a bit of a sticky situation. I don't really want to support their products at the moment. I know we mm. go back to the conversation we had before, but it's just a case of um, I don't like the fact that they uh, release heavily politicized games and then come and oh, say and that they, they are not yeah. politicized at all. I don't like the fact that the way that they're run. I don't like the mismanagement. I don't like the um, game's design philosophy that they approach with uh, some certain things with. So I would love to be proved wrong. That's, I mean, that, and, that's, um, I, that's just that's just my stance at the moment. No, no, we should tag that onto the stuff that we said before. If you absolutely, if you want to vote with your wallet and you want to make a statement and you can get the word out conversations, obviously with us, we have more of a platform to do that. That's a hundred percent valid too. Like that, you know, it's still going to make a mark. It's still going to be a conversation. It's still going to be something that contributes to the overall progression of of addressing that stuff going forward. Um, the last question from this. Sorry, dude, I just want to make one thing clear because it may, it may means that I have taken a very uh, contrary position to Benroy. I'm in no way criticizing your decision to buy the game nor anyone else's doing that. This is just my Mate, personal no. choice, okay? Yeah, this no, has yeah, nothing yeah. to do with any of that. No, no, if, if your okay. personal whims dictated what we do, I'd be living on Dynasty Warriors and I'd... I know he's eating vegan diet, mate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been starting the vegan food. Vegan burgers, pretty good. Anyway, are, the last are, vegan vegan fried them. chicken, terrible. Let's keep going. Uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> I will give you that one, mate. That, we definitely <laughs> do not have that one down yet. Vegan, uh, vegan chorizo sausages were a little bit rubbery, but I, I just, I love the whole science side of it. Like, can you replicate uh, meat products with science? I, like that's, that just gets me in. My favorite thing is I had the 3D printed um, uh, steak thing. Is that like a friend of mine, like uh, had printed. one of those. Well, yeah, there's, there's this whole thing going around now where you can get this specific brand that is literally a 3D printed steak that is like protein molecules. Oh, you don't like make that. it like, at home. You don't. Yeah, it was, uh, we had it out in, um, in New York when we went to that uh, tiny little restaurant. We were just like, oh, this is really actually really nice. But you could actually see the lines, the design lines on it. Weird. Very that weird. It's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. If you yeah. could get a 3D printed food, like in your house, like a gun that just shoots a steak, like I would love that. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> what? Sorry. I just want to just blast it. It was just the fact that you described it as a gun. I don't know why that's that's completely possible. Open wide, God. I I imagine it as the makeup gun from, was it Simpsons? Simpsons, yeah. You've got it set on smear. I've got my set yeah. on steak. I just want to shoot <sighs> the table and there'd be a steak there. Um, the last question from Son of Kratos was, seriously, when's that Glover remake coming? Which oh. sadly is... I mean, have any the Glover remake will come when... Look, look I, I'm growing in power. Like I'm, I'm rising my forces. And at one point, I will, <laughs> I will have the ability to make this happen. And I'm, it doesn't matter. Like We'll crowdfund it. We'll, we'll buy the license. We'll get it there. And Glover will come again one day. Glover will rise again. 
and Glover will be... Are you making a, um, a public pledge to all those who can hear your voice that someday you will be instrumental in bringing back Glover? I, I think, yeah, I think Glover and, yeah. and maybe Buck Bumble have been screwed over in the in our history of this. Like, we've had Crash come back and all that and people talk about Jack and Dax, they're like, that's a thing. But Glover is... It is a thing! Glover is one of the greatest games to be thrown away. And also, yeah... I mean, put Glover, put Glover in London, like Watch Dogs Legions. That's why I'm buying that game for London because I miss so, it so much. So the, the Glover would just be like, all right, mate, all right, geese. If you said Glover right. in London, I mean, yeah. you know. Apparently What's he going to be Brexit rolling around? Or... A paper cup instead? I mean, have, trash. You, have you ever seen the amount of littering in London? Yeah. You could roll around, go through Camden yeah, Market. That's, what, that's why Katamari Damacy needs to be set in London so we can oh. roll up the trash. Katamari versus Glover. Okay, that fine, now I'm sold. I'm sold. Now. Yeah, I'm sold. Get Mr. Domino in while you're on, because he's been... Oh, no one can years. stop yeah, get, Mr. Domino. Can we, <laughs> can we also get the Sneak King in there as well? Just him sneaking about in the background. That's just like, crazy. Yeah. Tiger. I mean, just do... Pepsi what? Man's calling. Yeah. <laughs> um, next question from Matthias Grimm. Uh, we sort of touched on this with Bond stuff. He's just saying, why is no one doing anything with the Bond property? And he says, mm. there's so much you could do with uh, infiltration, assassination, the gadgets, the cars, the action, the villains. Um, put it with a proper exciting story and its money. Love you all. Stay safe. Um, we touched oh, on Bond you. before, um, and thank you very much. I think, um, I don't know, Bond's in a weird spot. Like, the movies still make an absolute bucket load, but I don't think that pop culture doesn't really tend to dissect it very much. It's just sort of, ah, any Bond movie, cool, and then we all sort of move on. I, I, I literally think that's because you're in a different area of pop culture, whereas other people, mm. like, I think there, there, is, there, there is a you're first time for Bond. Like, I think it's, especially the Daniel Craig era, it's been so weird because we had uh, Casino Royale came out amazing. Then Quantum of Solace was like weirdly thrown about because of the uh, writer's strike. Also, mm -hmm. can I just say here, why did they release it in 2008 and not 2007? The year was 007, you fools. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> and then Skyfall came out and that was, that, that was meant to be his last one and he wanted to slit his wrists, then Spectre. I think it's because, whereas with the Pierce Brosnan, they were sort of like clockwork coming out. Whereas now they've been so like, dotty and like spotting like we this has yeah. been like the longest period we've had about a bond film ever it's this erratic nature that kills yeah. the like the the fuel of the franchise i mm. think they're afraid of doing the non-film tie-ins like when they have done that like, they've been excellent like um i only ever got to dabble in bloodstone but that was great like everything on nothing almost a perfect bond game like i think yeah. they just I, also i think like you want to have the bond of the time and it's probably going to cost a lot to get daniel craig's face and likeness in that game as well mm. so mm. they might i think we're going to get another try again on the next go round. I think uh, Craig's face is in the Quantum of Solace game, the one that was like the Call of Duty engine. Yeah, was... and, and GoldenEye, uh, the GoldenEye make. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think he's in Bloodstone as well, Bloodstone. Yeah. But um, I don't know, I think the, the overall cost of a AAA Bond game would be so much more than it was even 10 years ago. So I, well, I guess a, like 15 years ago. I think so there's I, an idea of the Bond games being at a certain level so people won't want to fork, so, like the masses won't want to fork out for that. Whereas like really they're probably, the quality levels are up there and it costs like up there to like, get done something. Yeah. I'm doing it up there as like, for the audio listeners, mm -hmm. I'm just putting my hands really high in the air as a scale. <laughs> so, yeah. It's all the way up there to be honest. Bond yeah. games are actually like, if you think about it, they're quite difficult to, uh, to manage manufacture in terms of what Bond sets up as having to ha happen in each of his films. Mm. Like you're going to have to have a decent driving section, like yeah, hands right, down. Right. You're going 
have to have to absolutely nail the combat and make sure that the shooting's really, really good. He's mm-hmm. going to have to have uh, so many exotic locations, which are going to be incredibly hard to like produce and like get realistic ones as well, because the people love the fact that it's set in a specific place. And then you'll have to find uh, writers that'll be able to bring a villain to life that is uh, uh, like charismatic enough mm-hmm. to make you care about what's going on in the story. Like they, all of those elements together, that's a really difficult, difficult thing to pull off. Yeah, you got to like, push buttons to woo a lady as well. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. I, um, I hope, um, is it Killer? No, not Killer Seven. What's the one where it's like you, you enter gigolo mode? <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. You know no. the one I'm talking about. It's it's um. Ah, oh, damn it! That's gonna this, annoy this me. This feels so like a list. The craziest. You know, um, you know sh- uh, not Shadows of the Damned. Um, that game where you go to hell and you've got a giant gun that's also your penis. That, that is Shadows of the Damned. Yeah, plays... yeah. That's who's the guy who made that? The director is uh, that uh, the same? Yeah, so he, he obviously did um, uh, Suda 51, also did the No More Hero stuff, right? Yes. Okay, he's got another game out <laughs> that allows you to have, you're an assassin who also woos ladies at night. Are you not thinking of that D4 thing, that um, Dark Pot- Dreams Don't Die or whatever? Potentially. The one where the, the female woman that you live next to is a cat? No, that we've sounds batty enough to be a different game. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've not taken something in between questions. This is definitely yeah. vaguely real, um, but we'll try and clean it up for next time. Um, last question. We did like, get a ton of questions. Thank you all very, very much for submitting stuff. We'll do another um, Q&A podcast at some point in the future, hopefully this time next week. Um, but the last question from Scottyboy292. It was me, but I do like that name a lot. Um, with the announcement of Netflix's Assassin's Creed, are there any other video game properties you would like Netflix to get their grubby little hands on? Or should video game TV series be left well alone? Maybe there's a Netflix series that would be that would actually make a better video game. Um, for the latter bit, I'm going to say, why was there never a good Breaking Bad game? Because the only Breaking Bad game we got was that weird mobile one where you oh, yeah. locked yeah. stuff in. Uh, I mean, uh, Heisenberg was technically in GTA V. There was the cook and there was that second oh, one. Yeah. They parodied it for a bit, but yeah. Uh, I would love, there's two franchises that I would love to see get their own Netflix shows. Okay. And the first one is uh, Ratchet and Clank is set up perfectly for an episodic format of them going around the galaxy, solving adventures, could be a pseudo kids TV show, but with that sort of adventure time, a little bit for adults thing. Vibe oh, to it. Adventure time style Ratchet and Clank. And also the other one would be a HBO, really serious, really bleak, Chernobyl style version of Fallout. Imagine okay. that they're trapped we in the that. vault. We're getting yeah. the Fallout thing. No, we're not, are we? Have yeah, I, they, they announced I slept it. Yeah. On this. When did they announce this? <laughs> uh, if you just say it, it comes true, mate. Fallout's been announced uh, for a couple of months. Oh, yeah. okay, fair enough. It's in the preliminary stages, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's nothing other than just it's happening. I think we got okay, a Maybe that's about it. Well, um, I'll take it back then. <laughs> I'll offer you Elder Scrolls instead. Fair I enough. Think, um, I don't know, Benroy. What's your thoughts? You've been staring at your library. Yeah, I've been staring at it. I'm just like. Uh, I was like, well, I can't say Resident Evil because we're, we're getting that anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was thinking, you know what? I think, you know what they could achieve, especially with the first few, first few seasons and see if it does well? A Metro series because, you know, mm. all in indoor sets and you don't have to like spruce out for these big wide sort of things. I think mm. Metro would be really good to get in there. Maybe, maybe a Wolfenstein as well, but I'm going for Metro here. Metro, all the um, the very sort of like philosophical conversations that come yeah. out and all these different cultures meshing over each other. Like, yeah, that'd be really, really cool. Have you watched um, um, uh, The Hunters yet? Which is like um, the yeah. one with Al Pacino and it's all about like Nazi killing. It's on an Amazon, it's Amazon original. It looks amazing. Mm. So yeah, if that took off, uh, then Wolfenstein definitely. 
Ciao. Any opportunity to kill more Nazis, please. <laughs> you could do like a really cool, like slick uh, Lovecraftian Bloodborne thing as well, like a different beast. Oh, every damn. Um, well, like supernatural. Be, yeah, yeah. Like, kind of like, super, but like more gritty, more, more yeah. gritty. Um, and just give me like more transforming weapons would be kind of cool. Um, my shout would just be animated Shovel Knight. Just give me like a really good poppy, rounded, um, colorful, gorgeous version of Shovel Knight with a different knight each week that he sort of befriends or uh, or maybe bashes with a shovel. I don't really yeah. care as long as it comes together. Um, so yes, thank you all again for um, submitting so many questions. We'll get to the rest of them in due time. But for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Returner. Glover, available now on N64. Ah, Mr. Jules Gill. Thank you for having me, mate. I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.